It's the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus Goldman. This time, buddy, we're doing something a little different on a relatively new concept here on the podcast. It's called Famous First Lines Chiming In. We did the first episode of Famous First Lines with the Warren Zevon songs that we both liked, right? Yes. It's a line in a song that kind of is famous, but also tells you a lot about what the song's going to be. It's kind of the concept, but this time we're chiming in. I was driving in the car one day and it hit me that these two songs both start with kind of a chiming chord and then deliver really great opening lines. Powerful opening lines, lines that move you, lines that may shake you to the core, lines that really keep you into that song. And the topics are different, but both are compelling. One is a young band on the run, so to speak. You know, they're in demand and on demand and running everywhere. Shaking the world up big time. And the other is a tribute to a man who shook up the world big time just a few years later, Martin Luther King, uh, in a U2 song that we all love. It's famous first lines on the imbalanced history of rock and roll, brought to you by Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hapro, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014, and the two songs... I kind of gave away one. Uh, the two songs that we're talking about here are the Beatles' Hard Day's Night. It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. It's been a hard day's night, I should be sleeping like a lot. And U2's Pride in the Name of Love. And two songs that when you hear them, if you like them or if you know them, You know those opening lines. Those opening lines catch you right away. And with the poppy, aggressive hook of that chime and the opening lyrics to A Hard Day's Night, it gets you rolling all the way through, and it keeps you there. The guys in their time argued about how this song came to be, and of course they ended up having a movie called Hard Day's Night, the concept of which is agreed came from Ringo. Would you look at him? Sitting there with his hooter, scraping away at that boog. Well, what's the matter with that? Have you no natural resources of your own? Have they even robbed you of that? Well, you can learn from books. You can, can you? <laughs> Sheep's heads. When you're not pumping them pagan skins, you're tormenting your eyes with that rubbish. Books are good. Bingo, what are you up to? Page five. You always fancied yourself as a guardsman, didn't it? Oh, that this tutu of solid flesh would melt. Zap! You know, they were all tired and he says, well, it's been a hard day's night of been working like a dog. And Johnny writes that down and he goes and works out the song overnight. McCartney adds a few things. And if you look at some of the performance videos of them, you can see almost where their parts that they worked up fit into the, uh, the song that they ended up recording. Any comment on the first two lines? Ever since I was a little kid, every time I've heard those first two lines, I've known what song it is, and I've known that I will be singing along with that song all the way through. It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. It's been a hard day's night, I should be sleeping like a log. 
those are two facts that go with a hard day's night and the opening line. There's such a, a chemistry that we've always perceived of the Beatles, the way they would just throw lines around. But in this case, it sounds like Lennon took the idea home. <laughs> and I could just see Lennon you know, sitting there with the Rickenbacker at like 2 o'clock in the morning. It's been a hard day's night. I should be lost in some kind of fog. No, that's not right. What is it? Ah, uh, oh, I should be sleeping like a log. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Ringo would be like, yeah, that's what I was getting to. But, you know, that's the way songs came together in their little songwriting world. But then he turned it into a love song in a way, singing about how he wanted to get home to you and be with you and make it all, you'll make it all right. But when I get home to you, I find the things that you do will make me feel all right. That's right. I mean, it was a random line that somebody said that triggered a whole song. It's wild how some of these songs form. And we're talking about the opening chords, and I'm not a guitar player, but I'm just looking at notes and reading blogs on the internet about this. And even though they both sound similar, maybe because they might be in the same key, uh, there is a difference between that opening chord on Hard Day's Night. And here's the notes that I found uh, on the internet, because... You know, it's true if it's on the internet, you know. <laughs> it says, opening chord, Harrison arguably played an F-A-D-D-9. I guess that's a certain kind of chord. Playing that alone on a single six-string guitar. But there's really no way to be sure because it really looks like it's a blend of sounds between a six and 12 a bass guitar and a piano that creates that that chime, that chang. Mm. It's not easy to create in a studio, but they think that that's actually how they did it. But it gives the impression that it's just George on the Rickenbacker. So they had a very smart producer who was able to cut tape, paste it, and oh, yes. get all of that together to make it sound a different way when it was something else. Just remember, like, the chord at the end of a day in the life when it just goes on and on and on and how they had to actually set that up. They actually had to set everything up to record that opening chime with everybody hitting the proper chord in whatever way that they work together. In the same way that you would write a chart for, for an orchestra, everybody play this combination of, of chords at the same time and sustain, and you get that sound. I would have thought by now that a member of the band would have said something like, this is how we did it. Boom, 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 going back because George and Paul had talked about some of that stuff over the decades. If Andre Gardner's listening, you know he knows the answer. And that's why we have to have him on this podcast, just to talk everything Beatles. Um, the B-side of Hard Day's Night was Things We Said Today in the UK. Someday when I'm lonely Wishing you weren't so far away Then I will remember Things we said today And I should have known better in the U.S. Oh, 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 I never realized what a kiss could be This could only happen to me Can't you see? Uh, released in July of 1964. Uh, it was recorded in April. Like we've discussed, there's a lot of different 
contentions about who wrote what and all that. They didn't seem to care too much about that when they were in the middle of it. And later memories get fuzzy and people couldn't remember everything, but somewhere somebody was writing all this stuff down and pretty much that we know from those notes and from other discoveries uh, who kind of did what, and it didn't matter what it was doing was creating that image. A hard day's night created the image of the Beatles as a band that was really literally being pursued by their fans and they filmed it and they wrote a script around it. And the whole movie was based on one comment. You talked about the song being based on it. The whole song, the whole album, and the whole movie was based around one comment from Ringo. I don't snore. You do, repeatedly. Do I snore, John? Yeah, you're a window rattler, son. It's just your opinion. Do I snore, Paul? With a trombone hooter like yours, it would be unnatural if you didn't. If they were playing a concert, they got in, they got out. They could barely get out without with their lives and their clothes intact. This is 1964. <laughs> And it was really great because it really created that rock and roll insanity that we would all crave for the rest of the decades into now. It's unbelievable the impact this band had. Again, I love the Beatles, but I have not done a lot of research into their history. I have a base knowledge of the Beatles and their music. This is one of those many songs that helped propel them into a different direction. It also expanded them, and it also um, showed their diversity as far as pop and rock goes. And lyrically, it wasn't like real complex. I mean, the opening line we've already discussed, it's been a hard day's night and I've been working like a dog. It's been a hard day's night. I should be sleeping like a log. It's what they do with the rest of it, the story that they tell, you know. But when I get home to you, I'll find the things that you do will make me feel all right. So you're starting to get the image of what they're saying. I'm tired and I want to go home to my woman. Okay. It's a sentiment that a lot of people can identify with. Even the guys who are sick of their girlfriends screaming about the Beatles in 1964. Yep. And it's the sentiment of women being excited to have their men home from work as well to be with them too. So, and we all know that, uh, the band played at night, but most people went to work during the day. So the next line, you know, I That was pretty edgy at that time, man. 1964. Oh, yeah. Home. It was the height of the Mad Men type, you know, suit guys coming home for suits and martinis, and he's putting it right on the line. Yeah. When I'm home, everything seems to be right. When I'm home, feeling you holding me tight. Tight. That yeah. Made, that made the uh, <laughs> filthy 15 of the 60s because of the entendre and innuendo. I think you hit it right <laughs> on the head there, bro. The fact that these guys were, they were sex personified. It was Elvis times two on steroids. You know, they, they just were over the top. 1964, as things are starting to just explode for the four lads from Liverpool. And Hard Day's Night was a big part of it. The movie, the album, and obviously the song was a huge hit. Four charismatic guys, boyish charm, British accents. There is no way the ladies in America were not going to go crazy for them. 
The aisles were flowing, Marcus. <laughs> that first concert, I think, in Washington, D.C. was mostly women. And I heard from a friend of mine's mother who was at that show that she was up in the top levels of the stadium in D.C. I think it was RFK Stadium or not RFK. I can't remember the name of the stadium in D.C., but... Whatever Research that, team. But whatever that stadium was, she said it was so loud you could barely hear the band on stage because the people were screaming so loud for the Beatles and they were so excited. This is Carol James, and now from the Washington, D.C. Coliseum, the world's most exciting group, Capitol Recording Stars, the Beatles. Indeed they were, my friend. Indeed they were. That's where the Beatles started in 1964, and a lot of it had to do with our first half of this episode, a famous first lines, the first two lines, and that chiming intro of the Beatles' Hard Day's Night. When we come back from having a pint together at Crooked Eye, we will fire up the second half of this episode, and a band that started not that far from Liverpool on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. Nothing quite quenches that thirst like a pint of crooked eye am i right marcus or am i right i would have to say the latter you are correct (laughs) yes or right left right correct is all good and that's because when you go in the crooked eye and you look at the board you're always going to find something that makes you feel right right there in the heart of hapro at york road in montgomery go see the gang at crooked eye it's all good and it's all happening at crooked eye brewery in the heart of hapro The fact that Crooked Eye has survived the pandemic and done a great job staying open and taking all of the necessary precautions to keep everybody safe is a wonderful thing. And I think it's a testament to not only their business, but who they are as people. Well, we raise our pints to you, and now they're pouring at Jamie's House of Music in Lansdowne. That's not too far from you in Delaware County, right? That is true. It's right down the street, literally about two and a half, three miles from my pad. So live music and Crooked Eye near me, too. Jamie's House of Music does great work with live music, and they never had somebody there pouring. And now the Crooked Eye crew is there bringing all those delicious brews from Hapro. So Delaware County, come and check out Crooked Eye and the great tunes at Jamie's House of Music. All the details about all this on CrookedEyeBrewery.com, their website, and follow them on Facebook, too. Whenever you need a tasty pint, remember, Crooked Eye Brewery, right in the heart of Hatboro. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Famous First Lines on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. It's our second episode, and we're chiming in, and i got to chime in a little bit about uh, something I just learned about that first Beatles concert you referred to, and the research team hit us up during the break and said that that happened at what was then called the Washington Coliseum. Of course, they have a full history of the Washington Coliseum. I'll tell you that uh, other than the Beatles playing there in 64, after their first appearance, uh, two days after they appeared on Ed Sullivan, uh, Dylan played there in 65, and then in 1967, concerts are banned at the venue because a riot happened outside a show by, of all people, are you ready? The Temptations. What? Yep, The Temptations. And uh, that was the Washington Coliseum, which is not there anymore. I don't know what it is now. But that's our first half of uh, this episode of Famous First Lines, all about the Beatles' Hard Day's Night. Now, another song that I love, and I know you do too, that chimes in at the beginning, but in a different way, comes from a band out of Dublin, Ireland, and not unlike A Hard Day's Night, it was a song that really accelerated the rise of you too. Pride in the name of love. Great song. I remember the first time I heard this because we were hot on YouTube. We had just seen them a few months earlier at Red Rocks. Ladies and gentlemen. Is that your famous first Red Rocks U2 show? That's my famous world Red Rocks U2 show. About a year later, a little over a year later, this song came out. I remember being so excited to hear it and being so excited for the new record because we were on such a high from war. The impact of that show really uh, carried on for a long time. It was a special show, and I think it was a defining moment for them in their career as well. But Well, sure, they made a live album yep. out of it. It was so good, right? Yep, and you hear a little bit of their political and activism undertones in their live shows on the war tour, but they really ramped it up on the next album, The Unforgettable fire. Martin Luther King is somebody who a lot of people respect and somebody who do you, did Do you remember things. hearing him do this this song at the show you saw before it came out? 
No, they didn't do this at the show before oh, I came okay. out. I wish they had done it before I... Yeah. That would have been, been really a magical cool. moment. I just remember being excited to hear it, and when it was released and we were able to hear it on the radio, we were going crazy for it. And then as soon as it was available, we were like, yes, we'll take it. Yes, and we bought absolutely. It and, and it was produced by Brian Eno and Daniel Lanois. Lanois's name keeps coming up because of his fantastic work. Yes, and he's great. He really is great, but yeah, this song is a mover all the way through, and I just... Oh, speaking of Lamois, you know what he did during the pandemic? Wrote an album. Yeah, he made an album. That's cool. Let's check yeah. it out. I gotta go check it out. I know we have to definitely check it out. He, I love that dude. I just got his book, too, and I'm gonna read his book. He helped to create point. the vibe on the Unforgettable Fire album, and this song starts with a different kind of chime, right? We were talking about the chiming in as the sub-episode title for this, uh, this go-around. Mm-hmm. And the lyric is telling, but doesn't tell the whole story. One man come in the name of love, one man come and go. don't know what the topic is if you're just looking at those words but if you know what the topic is you see the power in those words the night before he was murdered martin luther king said he wasn't going to make it to the mountaintop he's not going to be there with you he felt it he knew it bono when they were on tour probably the the tour we're talking about here the one where you saw him at red rocks they got to feel a lot of the power of america and wrote really the beginning of a, a, a song cycle that stretched across a couple albums where they wrote about their Irish impressions of the majesty and power of America as a concept and as a place. And this is one of the songs that really has a lot to do with it. In the intro, it's funny, is because I think it's a different kind of intro from what the Beatles song was. It's not a layered thing. It's a chord thing. It's an edge thing, really. And I think Edge gets his chime from a sustained E chord or something like that because it's an EAD chord pattern times two in those opening notes at the beginning of Pride in the Name of Love. And I think he gets the effect of chiming from the way he combines them and blends them together in a way that only Dave Evans can, I think. He's one of the masters at blending chords and sounds to change, but without feeling like it. Yeah. And he exacted two changes right there in the first few seconds of pride. And then of course the topic of the song, you know, Mm -hmm. I was doing a little bit of uh, reading about the history of this song. And at the time he wrote pride, he originally wanted to write a song about Ronald Reagan's arrogant pride and the military power, the industrial military complex. But then he started reading biographies about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And he felt that or writing towards the path of which Martin Luther King believed was more powerful and the direction that he wanted to go. So he ended up focusing on the ingrained root issues with the African-American civil rights movement and comparisons between violent and nonviolent approaches the uh, different leaders took Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and growing up in Ireland where he grew up or in Northern Ireland, he had seen and he was familiar with all of that violence. You know, it's been discussed, you know, 
post game that he really wasn't that happy with his lyrical development uh, for this record. He felt like he could do more or could do something different somehow. And the guys just kind of pushed him to go with the flow is a good way to put it, but they want him to go with the flow and he did. And because of that, he said, sometimes he thinks that maybe he could have done better on the lyrical front for this album. And I'm like here to really discuss all that. Cause we're talking about pride in the name of love. And one of the things that made him probably feel that way is the timing context being off. Uh, he sings about early morning, April 4th, when James Earl Ray fired that fateful shot at Dr. King at 6.01 p.m. as he stood on the motel's second floor balcony. And it wasn't early morning, but that probably flowed better poetically or lyrically, or maybe he wasn't sure. The end result, though, is an amazing song that comes at us just from that opening line. Uh, one man come in the name of love, one man come and go. One man come One man come he to justify, one man to overthrow. Sounds a little bit like something Bob Marley would say. Just saying. In the name of love, what more in the name of love, right? It's it's a great refrain that people have missung for uh, 35 years now. <laughs> uh, you talked about the pain. One man caught on a barbed bar wire fence, one man he resists, and that's a symbolism. Yeah, you know, one man washed up on an empty beach, one man betrayed with a kiss. You're you're seeing pictures, snapshots mm-hmm. of people that are caught up because of love. They fought, they believe in love. The one religious mention in there, the one man betrayed with a kiss. Many have been, but he's referring to the Judas kiss, I'm sure. Yep. And the thing the fact that Bono, who I mean, he knows all the popes. You know, he knew you know two dead popes, and he knows his, he knows all the popes. He's a pretty cool guy. You know, not that I'm religious or anything, but I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Rock star, sure, sure. But you know, the the pope gives him a call. Hey, Frank, what's going on? You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just I just love the fact that he was willing to trust Edge and Lenoir and uh, just kind of like go with the flow and let things happen. It's the best song, most famous song anyway, uh, on that album, and that album was the thing that took them from war to superstar level and beyond. And it really set up the unforgettable fire perfectly and the transition from war into the unforgettable fire. It's a perfect transition record as it shows their direction. There is another different kind of a look at famous first lines on the imbalanced history of rock and roll, uh, chiming in the chimes at the beginning of those chords, famous first chords, and then the opening lines are pretty famous as well. Uh, And not only for what they are to those songs, but to the story in them and for their impact beyond uh, whatever the art was at the time, you know? A lot of fun doing this with you, my friend. Dude, this was great. Had a blast today. I can't today. believe it, man. We just keep going and keep finding more cool people to talk to. And when nobody will talk to us, <laughs> we, we just we talk. Time we talk to each other. <laughs> and we, we always seem to find good things to talk to uh, each other about. So and, and until we get together again, uh, don't forget you can chime in and see what I did there. <laughs> I see it. Uh, on our e- email, imbalancehistory at gmail.com. Our social medias were on uh, Facebook. A lot of people seem to connect and really share info and stuff on Facebook. I like seeing that a lot more Me lately. Uh, Twitter's getting pretty active, and Instagram too, right? Yep. So we're doing well in all those areas. We definitely want you to stop by, check us out, leave comments. If we miss something, we want to know. 
and tell us where you're at, where you listen, how you found us, that kind of stuff. It's all good. It helps us to know what we're doing and if we're connecting out there or how we're connecting out there. Thanks to our friends at Crooked Eye Brewery for all they do to keep this show rolling. And thanks to the gang at Pantheon Podcasts for giving us another great outlet, another great teammate in the uh, ever-expanding world. I don't know. I'm looking at some of the places we're showing up with regularity and... uh, I just want to say guten Morgen to my, our friends in Germany, and there's, I could go down a whole list of places where uh, we're getting really consistent listening lately, and we thank you all over the globe, and uh, we know that people here in the U.S. and Canada and in England and Australia, but a lot of countries uh, are starting to come to find the podcast. I don't know how you're finding it, so uh, please let us know, and we'll try to talk a little more in your language if, if we can manage I know ein bisschen Deutschen. So that's the best I can do for now. <laughs> I think Alphonsen is about as good as I can do. Whatever may come around the bend or down the line, we're ready for it. Always ready to learn until the next time we crack the mic and do this podcast from the Dark Doc Media Studios. I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus Goldman. And this is the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.